The Athletic. Catan thrust. Thursday's action at the World Cup looked unmissable, but hold my beer, says Romelu Lukaku, with a spellbinding array of spurned chances as Belgium go out, followed by Costa Rica and Germany too. We picked through a wild night of Group E play, which saw everybody have a try on top. Salute Croatia, Japan and Spain, sort of, and look ahead to Friday with the group stage grand finale, Ghana, Uruguay and so much more. It's Totally at the World Cup, sponsored by LiveScore Bet. Day 12. Can we really describe this day as just 12? Feels like it needs a bigger name than that. Day incredible at the World Cup. XII. Yeah, I like it. Duncan Alexander joins us here. Hello. And so does Lindsay Hooper. Thank you for being with us tonight. Lindsay. What a night I picked. It's brilliant. Could just be the most extraordinary night in World Cup history. What a responsibility for you guys trying to sum it all up with words. We've also got a bit of help on that score from Raphael Honigstein. Yeah. Poor Rafa. Poor Rafa. Juraj Verdelak, who's uh, going to be telling us about Croatia. They're through, you know. And ahead of uh, the huge match between Ghana and Uruguay on Friday, we're going to be dialing up our old friend Gilmar Deladon in Uruguay. This World Cup. This World Cup. It's kind of, think you know these teams? You don't know these teams. Every day you get to half time like that, ah, it's just going as I thought it was. And this, I think, this group E was very much that at half time we were, you know, enjoying it because it's the World Cup, but it was going to plan, shall we say, mm. or going with the big guns. And then we should never, never doubt it because it just went bananas. Half time. There was, there was went... no frenzy, was there, at half time from us? We were quite relaxed and, and there sat were the back. cookies. There was we had coo- cookies, yeah. But no, in a football sense, it seemed. But there was always that possibility. There was that frisson, especially after what had happened on Wednesday night, of the unexpected waiting around the corner, the sense that all bets were off at this World Cup anyway. And you lost it. Did I? You did. Did I start shouting? Be- yeah, you did. All right. That's the most yeah. I've ever heard That's you the shout. Mo- that is the most football. animated. It was, it was kind of a, a Tolkien roar. Really? Like, um, was I, I mean... What? Like a like a Balrog had oh, popped up. Oh, I thought up, we were going a... for more kind of Hobbiton end of things. No, more, yeah. Right. You shall Even not at pass one stage, the group stage. It was, did you see that outside to the, there's people outside I, this office. So one of the, listen, indulge me a second. The studio where we're at, different ends of the building are in different time zones, essentially, for their <laughs> TV coverage. So you can watch a goal at, at one end and then travel to the other end of the building and see it all over again, or quite equally, walk in the opposite direction, lose the whole five minutes of your life. <laughs> mm. So I was just trying to indulge in a little bit of that. Yeah. Let's talk about the results then, eh? Group F this afternoon, remember that? All those years ago? Oh. Morocco beat Canada 2-1. Morocco through to the last 16. Canada going home, came close to getting their first point. Croatia, meanwhile, had no goals whatsoever in their clash with Belgium, which means that Belgium are also out and Croatia are through. Morocco in first place, though. In Group E, meanwhile, on Thursday night, a group with former World Cup winners Germany and Spain at one point had Japan and Costa Rica going through. Incredible. As it turned out, in the end, it was Japan and Spain who make their way into the last 16, leaving Costa Rica and the Germans heading home. On the whistle from the Albike Stadium, here's Raphael Honigstein. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Live from the Albite Stadium is Raphael Honigstein. Rafa, so four two winners on the night. But was this a World Cup that had already been lost? I think we'll look back at the defeat against Japan and feel that this was really one match that they could not quite recover from because you can draw against Spain. I think that's a respectable result. And of course, they beat Costa Rica today, albeit in pretty unconvincing fashion. But uh, that opening defeat against Japan in the end proved, proved fatal. I think they need to learn a lesson because they've been far too open and too vulnerable since 2016. They conceded every single goal they've played, every single game they've played in the, in the competition. And that is too much for even Germany's pretty good attacking lineup or attacking options to make up for every single time. I think that needs to be the lesson. With all of that, a 4-2 victory, 
was it a, a Germany performance that really suggested that they were going to go through and make in, inroads into this World Cup? It wasn't convincing, that's for sure. And the whole group stage wasn't convincing. They had flashes of brilliance, but also flashes of real average or below average football. Looking back over the three games, you might say, well, they would have been knocked out anyway. But then I think there are sides in this last 16 round that aren't necessarily better than Germany, but they, uh, they made it and this team hasn't. And we'll never know if they might have shown up defensively or find another level in a knockout stage. It's something that they'll have to show us in two years' time at the Euros. In two years' time at the Euros, how many of this Germany team do you think will no longer be there? Which, which big names may have been essentially bowing out tonight? I think Thomas Müller might be going. I think he was speaking to the media just now, but I didn't, I didn't quite catch what he said. I think Neuer will stay. And I think Gundogan might actually call it a day as well. He's 32, although he's been in really good form. I think by the time comes, yours come along, he might just feel it's a little bit too much if he wants to prolong his club career. But that's it. I mean, the rest of the team are either pretty young or at a very good age in the mid-20s. So don't need a massive change. I think Manu Neuer will stay on. He seems very ambitious to play at least another big tournament, maybe even the World Cup in 2026. And that's it. Flick needs to hope for better options defensively and for defensively, collectively better performance because that's going to be a problem that he needs to solve urgently. Okay. Rafa, uh, on a positive note, you did at least nail your prediction for Group F that you made before the World Cup even started when you said that Belgium would crash out and Morocco and Croatia would go through. So there's that. It's something. Thank you. Mm, Not at all. It cheers me up no end. (laughs) Sure. Well, I look forward to speaking to you soon anyway, Rafa. And uh, better luck next time. Thank you. Bye. Well, rotten luck for Germany to go out because of a team settling for a result somewhere elsewhere in the World Cup, hey? Are you referring to the old disgrace of hee I wasn't referring to it. anything. Let's just run through a night which at times had pretty much anything happening, even Germany qualifying. It all began... With Germany needing a fast start, remember, they were bottom of this group. But boom, they got it. When Nabry, 10 minutes from the start, Lindsay, rewarded their efforts. He did. And moments before that, Muller had a chance with a header. And everyone thought that should have gone in. Just a minute later, Nabry, his header. Potentially an even harder one to score, actually. But... It was such a frenetic start from Germany. They were front-footed. They had so many chances. Hardly spoke about Costa Rica in this first 15 minutes or so. Costa who? So Mm. the thing was, they still needed Spain to score, but literally a minute later, Alvaro Morata. Alvaro Morata, an assist from Aspilicueta. Lovely ball in, and that was a header. Well, and we discovered, didn't we, six foot three, Moretta. We, we did have a Google search about his height because I said, do they add three extra inches on if you're Spanish? Because he doesn't do look that, like he's six foot three. Okay. All sorts of other things have been happening. You'd had a big chance for Costa Rica through that Keisha Fuller. Also, Jamal Muziala had been wowing you. You were particularly impressed. Oh, Muziala, I think he's been one of the standouts and it's such a shame that he's now going home. But for Germany, one of the things that you notice for this is the game here compared to Sunday, he was in a more advanced position. So they'd moved him centrally behind Muller. Whereas in the previous game, in the in the setup of 4-2-3-1, he was on the left-hand side, wasn't he? But he mm. was moved central and it, it suited him. So well, it's a shame we don't get to see him in that position again. We had 24 touches in the opposition box in that game, which is a World Cup record. Um, I mean, yeah, again... It doesn't help. I mean, see, this is one of those weird games where they did actually win 4-2. It is a win, but it's not a win, is it? No. And he hit the, he hit the post twice in the second half. Half time. It was Germany and Spain who were going through. But straight after the second half begins, oh my goodness, Japan have just equalised. Yes, this was Ritsu Doan, who was one of the substitutes who came on. This is the 48th minute. It all came from brilliant pressure from Japan, chasing down a ball, uh, applying pressure to Simon uh, in the goal for Spain. And Simon could have done better, I think, in both situations. He could have cleared better. But he also, when the goal came, I think he could have done better Mm -hmm. uh, with getting hands to it. But he didn't. Um, You look at the finish, though, Ritsu Doan, P. 
peels away. The, the celebrations, James. This is why we love World Cups, because you get those close-up shots of the Japan fans. They're going crazy. And we were lapping it up. This is when you started to lose it a little. If it wasn't then, it was just moments later when Japan, unthinkably, Japan, the team who had lost to Costa Rica, playing the team who had beaten Costa Rica 7-0, took the lead. Yeah, we rule of three again. Like three minutes after they equalised, they went ahead. Some controversy over this goal. Right. So, ball was over the line again. You know, incidents that have reared their head in World Cups before, sometimes involving Germany. Now, there were a lot of angles. Mm, it was Matoma, wasn't it, that played this ball back? Yeah, he hooked it back from right on the touchline. Now, it's a really fool's errand to sort of take snapshots from TV angles and put them on Twitter, I think, because you can't tell. There is an overhead that shows the ball isn't right. across the line, which I think is probably the, you know, I've played enough kickoff too to realise that overhead is the best way to enjoy football. So... Um, so I think it's actually perfectly legitimate, but, you know, obviously... Depends which angle you see, doesn't it? Well, no, if you see an angle which makes it... Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's empirical almost, Yeah, no? yeah. I think it, it's absolutely fine, it, but, you know... It wouldn't have been the only one of the night that had crossed a line in these two matches. Really? What was the other one, then? It, I'm afraid it was Stephanie Frappard and... Oh, early on. Yeah. Early on, when the ball went over by about a foot. I mean, yeah. no goal was involved It should have been a corner. Point. Should have been a corner. Mm. That's so true. Where we got to? Anyway, oh my goodness, Japan are now winning. They are topping the group. So after an hour, though, Costa Rica decide, hey, <laughs> this looks like fun. We're going to pitch in with a goal of our own. Kendall Watson roars forward, fires ahead at Neuer. He can only parry it back into the path of, of Yeltsin Dajeda, who scores. And Costa Rica a level, which means that it's now Japan and Spain who are going through to the last 16. Germany absolutely need a goal. Muziala hits the post. Then, oh my goodness, Rudiger hits the post. Spain, meanwhile, Spain, what's happening with Spain? Well, they've come out of the second half and... They're Switched off. Well, they're having a nice little, little <laughs> evening, knocking the ball around. They didn't have a shot until the 74th minute. And it was a weird one because as the game went on, it, it was less and less important that they scored, yet they started having more and more shots. I don't know... If Luis Enrique was playing some sort of advanced 4D chess, but I couldn't work it out. Well, I must admit, I was puzzled at first why Spain seemed unconcerned about being behind to Japan. But then when we worked out the fact that with that result, Germany could do nothing, even winning against Costa Rica, they could do nothing unless they beat them by seven clear goals. Mm. Yeah, because, well, they needed six more goals at least, didn't they? Did they need seven in order to... To go above them? At I mean, points. it's a game of opinion, yeah. really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, and this is where you can't make these judgments because the World Cup's so random, and we've seen that in the last couple of days, but coming second in, in Group E kind of looks slightly better. Like, if you come top, you go probably Croatia, then Brazil, then Argentina. That's a, that's a tricky run. Whereas um, coming second, you've got Morocco, and now we know that Morocco are a good team and we shouldn't underestimate them, but then possibly Portugal in the quarters if you get past that. But do you, do you genuinely think Spain were aiming for second spot in the group? Well, I wouldn't have, but they did. They were fairly relaxed. Well, that? if they were, they are great actors as well because they had that flurry towards the end. They, yeah, <laughs> they, they just managed to stage a moment of about five or six minutes where they peppered the goal a little bit more than they had to convince me that maybe they weren't as aware. Duncan's not as convinced. Well, yeah, well, Danny Almo had about three shots in the last 10 minutes. So, you know, maybe he maybe he was more like Danny, oh, no, we're going to go out of the World Cup. Uh, but it was fine. They were, it, was, it was one of the most bizarre endings to a group I've seen because no, nothing could change right. unless Germany mustered a lot of goals in no time. And yet... And some of the players knew, or probably if, some didn't. I mean, from Germany's point of view, if Spain had scored an equaliser against Japan, then they would have been through because their goal difference with Japan was pretty minimal. The difference there, or I think, even better. But in the meantime, I mean, there's a bunch of other goals we haven't got onto yet. Costa Rica equalised, which is unthinkable. Yeah. If they score another one, then they'll be going through. Costa Rica, the team who started the World Cup losing 7-0 to Spain, would be going through with another goal. And then they get another goal. They're 2-1 up. They are. And spare a thought for Vargas because there was a VAR check, VAR check for Vargas's VAR goal. Gas. But it hasn't been given him to him. It's a Neuer own goal that okay. it's been logged down as. Anyway, after that, Germany... He doesn't even get that moment. Germany sweep forward. They've got your friend Fulkrug on at this yeah. point. 
and he 54 minutes he came on right well they they end up scoring what two goals no three goals at this point end up winning 4-2 but it, it doesn't matter it doesn't and after getting through every single first round from 1954 to 2014 in 2018 and now 2022 Germany have failed to get out of the group they've won in the last two World Cups they've won as many games as Australia which isn't great wow so whatever Spain did there's that it was extraordinary that finale watching Germany realizing that they had to win but even so there was nothing they could do about it unless they beat Costa Rica 9-2 and they did have a go we saw plus 10 minutes come up for added yeah. time and we got excited for a moment. But it wasn't a night for some Germany players. I thought Leroy Sané didn't have a great game. I thought his decision-making was off at times. He went for shots when he shouldn't have done, didn't do the correct pass at times because there were so many more opportunities for goals. If we add up all the ones that hit the post and the ones that on Duncan's radar of XG should have been high, then I think that there's every chance they could have got those six goals. Well, Germany six set extra. a new XG record of over six XG in a single game. In fact, they've ended the group stage. Um, obviously, there's two groups to finish tomorrow, but as it stands, they have got the best or the highest XG in the group stage, um, which, you know, is that a real trophy? Maybe it should be because it's something to hold on to. But um, it's the defence, as, as Raf was saying, that's that's the big issue. You know, I think that's 12 tournament games now in a row. They haven't kept a clean sheet and that that's what's cost them. And summing up this whole Group E watching experience with mm. you both, mm. I felt like, you know when you've got some spare change in your pocket, you're just carrying it around, it's been there for ages, some old coppers, maybe an old button in there, and someone asks you for some change, and you spill it out, and you spill out the best coins, and you think, oh no, they're going to go, two pound coins falling out here. That's what happened. Okay, Duncan, you likened it to a dog trying to open a door. I'm not sure which analogy <laughs> is better. Yeah, like, you know, like a dog it wants to come in, it doesn't has no idea how to open the door, but right. it knows what it wants. And that's Germany trying to get out of the group. Yeah. Yeah. They could see the food of progress through the window, but mm -hmm. they couldn't get through it. Extraordinary. All right, I like your you button it, one. Do you? Yeah. You, your no facial expression didn't around. tell me that you did. But. No, I like it. It's cashless so, society. Just remind me again. So <laughs> Cashless society is. <laughs> Whatever Germany's complaints, though, however much Spain may or not have been trying. We, the team that should be saluted as the big winners of this night are Japan with their extraordinary performance against Spain. How did that, how did that come about, Lindsay? There were similarities to the one against Germany, but I also think that Spain invited more pressure from Japan, whether they did that knowingly or not, Duncan. Well... <laughs> they mean... started to lose the midfield battle. Football is, a, we've said this many times, football is a low-scoring game. This is, it's probably the only sport, the reason people love it so much is because it's the only sport where you can get nights like this because, you know, Japan should have probably not won that game. They had 17.7% possession, which is the lowest... 17.7, so eight, let's call it 18%, <laughs> right. um, which is the lowest of any winning team in World Cup, recorded World Cup history. So replay that game 10 times and Spain win nine of them. So, but it... But that's not how it works. You know, they, they hung on and, and Spain did have their mysterious not shooting spell. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just good. I'd exciting. call it a select press. It wasn't a constant press from Japan, but they selected when they were going to press and then had great effect with it. And they selected to do that twice <laughs> and got goals from it. And got goals from it. World Cups do throw up these sort of results because I think you have teams where you might have a couple of star players and then, you know, some, some lesser players. You have, and even the best teams aren't as well rehearsed as, as club side. So you, you do get these narrow wins a lot in the World Cup. And, you know, we've, we've seen it in multiple editions. I remember the, the 2002 World Cup, there were a lot of shocks. And, and James, you made the point earlier, you don't, you don't want too many shocks in the I mean, I'm not, I'm not the only one saying that. No, no, mm. but it's a, a salient point because you, the, what happened in 2002 is that you got to the latter stages and a lot of the the big teams had gone out and, you know, I think for a lot of people that did did weaken the, the tournament. That said, though, when you watch nights like tonight, you want Japan in the knockout mm. stages. When you watch my, nights like last night, you, you probably felt you'd really want to see more of that Mexico. Yeah. Mm. And, le I mean, Japan, let's, let's just, you know, reiterate, they lost to Costa Rica... And they beat Spain and Germany and they won the group. I mean... <laughs> Which is insane. Everyone loves predicting World Cups before they started, but I don't think anyone 
uh, predicted that. An observation about Spain, how much better they are with Morata as a target. It's just incredible the difference that it makes. So I, I think Morata, how, how many goals has he got now? Three. Yeah, three. One in each. Yeah, one in each. One other thing, actually, we've talked about, you know, coming second and, and did Spain try and do that. Mm. But the last team to win the World Cup um, when coming second in their group were Italy back in 1982. So pretty much since, you know, since 82, you've had to have won your group to win the World Cup. So, you know, maybe Spain are already out of it on that basis. We shall see. And the further permutations of that, if you look to the next round... And so if Spain were to get through against Morocco... Yes, and the fact that they came runners-up in the group, so it's right. not all doom and gloom, because mm. they would face Portugal or Switzerland on that side of the draw, right. as opposed to facing Brazil or Ghana. Which, which is who Japan will Japan, get if they get past, they get Croatia. past Croatia. It's getting very Alan Partridge explaining World Cup 94 now, isn't it? <laughs> nice analogy. All right, Group F, meanwhile, this afternoon... All the teams, little players running around like cows in a mad way. <laughs> we'll be discussing that next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This is the Titan Football Show, sponsored by Live Score Bet, the home of squads. Squads is a weekly free-to-play game. You reveal five players across the week which make up your squad, and you can earn cash each time they score in the selected games. The cash amount is decided by Live Score Bet's prize wheel and can range from 10p up to £50 per goal, which you can spend once the final player is revealed. Find out more and play squads for yourself for free at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the Live Score Bet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only and full terms and conditions apply. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. All right, so Thursday afternoon, remember that? Remember that? Thursday afternoon, I was Group F. Feels like a whole day ago. Well, I mean, for you, listener, it is, isn't it? It featured Canada taking on Morocco, looking for their first point. They didn't get it, but they came close. But the big story was Croatia against Belgium. The silver and bronze teams from the last World Cup. Belgium had to put their bickering aside and win against Croatia. But despite a late flurry of chances, last World Cup's third-place side couldn't score and crashed out of the tournament. Massive surprise to people, Lindsay, who tipped them for the final. What must they be thinking <laughs> right now? Anyway. Roberto... I did make other predictions which were better. Great. Roberto Martinez <laughs> announced afterwards that he has uh, served his last game as Belgium manager. We'll, we'll talk about what, what went wrong for the Belgium side in a second or two. Let's hear, first of all, from our Croatia correspondent, Juraj Verdoliak, who's absolutely over the moon to be going through. Well, the good news is you're through. Yeah, definitely. The only good news, I guess, for this game. The thing is, it started in uh, electric fashion for Croatia for the, the first 10 seconds or so, Perisic with that shot. And then then what happened? I think they were a little bit startled by the fact that no one really expected um, Belgium to start off with Americans up front, I guess. that There's been a, a sort of tactical tweaks that... Croatia, I think they weren't expecting, they weren't startled as much, but I think they kind of had to reconfigure in a way uh, throughout the first half after that electric start that you mentioned. Then they kind of resorted to the main point where it's the most important not to lose. And mm. I think um, they couldn't balance that need well in the end. 
Okay, well, in the end of the game, that, that must have been especially tense for you because there was a, a succession of Belgian chances and some uh, excellent uh, last-minute clearances, mostly from Belgium's own Lukaku, to be fair, but 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 also Guardiol with that, that dramatic late clearance. Yeah, Guardiol is really brilliant. I mean, he's been brilliant throughout the group stage in all of the three games of the group stage, and he's really shown that he's ready for the top-level football already now, and as for the chances, I mean, yeah, Lukaku really missed ridiculous chances, to be honest. And it felt that it was kind of a consequence of Croatia actually kind of inviting Belgium too much. It was always a risk with Belgium, with the players they have. It was always a risk to invite them so far up into their own half. I mean, in Croatian half. It was very fortunate at the end that Lukaku didn't convert those chances. To what extent have the performances so far been been seen as a, a disappointment there in Croatia? And do you see a team that is ready to really catch fire when the knockouts come? Well, it already isn't a disappointing tournament. I mean, the first milestone and the most important one, even in, in, when you would ask like public in Croatia, was to just get out of the group stage because this wasn't really an easy group, to be honest. Like, Despite Belgium's problems, you had Morocco, who played brilliantly so far. Canada, who's also like took everything out of them to be just the surprising underdogs in a way. So the first milestone is definitely there. So that it, it won't be a disappointment either way. But I think Croatia should have pushed perhaps more in that first game to win against Morocco, not to be overly cautious as they were. But yeah, I mean, we saw how much Croatia can manage in 2018, and there's still that fighting spirit and. It's one game at a time, I guess, as far as the knockout stage is going. Well, well done to Juraj and Croatia. Uh, commiserations to Belgium. Nil-nil between them and Belgium. There's a terrific breakdown on how this game played out over at theathletic.com, of course. Uh, featuring our friends Tim Spears... And Liam Tharm and a bunch of others as well. It's got diagrams and everything. But I still want to have a chat about it now, if that's okay with you, Duncan and Lindsay. That finale, 16 shots Belgian had in that game. Th this is what it sounded like on Belgian TV. Lukaku! Take the pinnacle from the ball! It is not wahr! It is not wahr! Lukaku! Take the pinnacle from the ball! We kick the ball! Lukaku! I mean, I don't speak Belgian, but it sure sounds like they'd worked out who the problem was. Yeah. Wow, that's a bit harsh. I felt, I've rarely felt more sorry for a footballer than I did for Lukaku. It felt like one of those bad dreams where you, you just know, you, you know, you can't run, you can't do anything right. Right. And except his was actually happening in, in as far as we know, real life and... Um, in a World Cup game. Your day job doesn't help him, though, because you, you know that you saw what? afterwards that he punched the dugout yeah. in frustration, mm -hmm. but then he'll be going back to punch it again when he gets the stat of XG 1.7. You make it sound like my job's uh, Romelu Lukaku's <laughs> shooting coach, which ironically uh, it is. You love your Duncan, XG. tell us the XG on his chances. 1.7. Yeah, 1.7, which before the evening games um, was the second highest in a game. In, for an individual player. Okay, how how much was it his fault? I mean, some of them, there were a couple of really bad misses, but there were a couple that were a, a bit unlucky. Mm. And it, again, <laughs> sorry to labour the point, but a bit like the Japan game later on, Belgium should have probably won that game. They created enough, but there's narrative. Narrative goes through a World Cup, like whatever they use to write letters in rock. Um, and... You know, when the just shocks... Just more rock, I think. I think it is just more rock, yeah. yeah. When the shocks start happening, yeah. you can't stop them. You can't like stop the shocks. Exponential. The, the contradiction in term is that he affected the game by coming on, by not affecting the game, but... Oh, because another player would have... Well, yeah. his introduction did change. It changed the way that Belgium were playing. Right. And they were playing much better, but ultimately to affect the game, you need to score. Yeah. So you can't really say he did affect the game, I suppose. Well, Gone round in circles. He showed that a fit Lukaku from... You know, coming into this tournament fit and in form, they would have been fine. Belgium. He, he is he is probably their key player, and the fact that he wasn't able to play very much, and you know, 
Is he their key player though? I honestly, he's. I mean, there are others who would count eleven themselves eleven tournament goals mm-hmm. in his career. That's he's got a really good tournament record, and their problem in this World Cup has been not scoring. And I know, okay, he didn't he didn't help on that front today, but he is just coming back from. But their injury. XG kind of across the tournament has Sorry. that. Yeah. Has that been all right? Yeah, it's about 4.5. 4. It's no Germany, but it's it's decent. All right. Poor if you do was... watch back, you didn't have that in your audio, but the five big chances that Lukaku gets, uh-huh. if you listen to the, the crowd in the stadium, the groans get louder each one. Like a pantomime. Yeah. Poor chap. I mean, I agree. It's, it's miserable for him. Mm. He was in tears at the end. Mm. The golden generation. Yeah. Well... But they've replaced Eddie Merck, so these things go around in, you know. They do, don't they? Remco Evenepoel is going to, you know, so you can only be good at one sport at a time. Croatia, though, they had lots to cheer about, apart from their performance. Mind you, that penalty that they were going to get in the first half, but then was called back for a very mysterious offside Offside, involving someone's shoulder. or I struggled with that. Had they been given that, and of course, had they converted it, they would have topped the group. And they wouldn't have had any of these issues. In the, well, well, we'll see. We never. Mm. You don't know, do you? We don't know. You just don't know. They didn't deserve to top the group. This is a Croatia side that, when you compare to levels of 2018, they're not at that same level. Well, let's talk about the team that did win the group then, Lindsay. The absolutely terrific Morocco, whose game against Canada finished 2-1. That is the first goal that Morocco have conceded under their manager in the seven games that he's been in charge. And it was an own goal, so, you know, they still haven't conceded to an opposition player. Very nice, very nice. What what did you make of them? I watched this game, actually. wrote about it on on the analyst, and it was was a funny game. It was kind of the reverse later, in some senses, in that Morocco knew they needed to to win. Um, They came out really well. They were helped really early on when the Canadian keeper, Milan Bourjan, did one of the heaviest first touches I've ever seen. (laughs) Basically knocked it to Ziyech outside the box, who just kind of lofted Mm. it in. And that was a... A very pleasant start. Then they went 2-0 up um, midway through the uh, through the first half. Nice uh, assist from Hakimi. And then the own goal just before half-time kind of gave Canada a bit of hope. But Canada didn't have a shot on target in the whole game. But more importantly, Morocco didn't have a shot at all in the second half. So hmm. they, were, they were absolutely right. We just need to win this game. Canada aren't going to do anything. Let's just win 2-1. And that's exactly what happened. The second half was one of the most, you know both admirable and dull things I've ever seen. Shall I tell you what I like about Morocco? They're the one team that I've watched this tournament who looks slightly possessed to me. Hmm. They're a bit hungry for it. And I love to watch that from a nation that you're not expecting. They have become the dark horses. Ooh. How many people tip Morocco as dark horses? Um, Rafa, yeah. And Nesri, yeah, Rafa. And Nesri, love him. Love the way that he's been playing. First Moroccan to score in back-to-back games mm. in a World Cup. Hakimi, who you mentioned in that pass, I was loving the way that he was playing anyway. Plays for PSG. I've, I have seen him play before um, and thought that he'd got so much to offer. But I think he's another one that's gone to a different level this World Cup. Mm. I think he's been fantastic. Um, they had one ruled out for offside. Thumping volley. Fantastic finish. It's a shame that that didn't stand. But when you talk about African sides, and I did coming into this, I got it all wrong in some departments, James. But what I did say is that I thought that the African sides Uh would do well in this World Cup. Well, how prescient of you, Lindsay, (laughs) because that's now two of them qualified. Two, and that's the first first time African side to finish top of their group since Nigeria in 1998. And the two sides progressing, Senegal being the other, that's the first time since 2014 that that's happened, when Algeria and Nigeria did. Two more could... Tomorrow. Cameroon and Ghana. Hey, how about we have a chat about what's coming up on Friday in the final set of group stage matches? You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, sponsored by LifeScore Bet. That's right, listen, it's absolutely flown by this group stage, hasn't it? And, uh, well, Group H and Group G are preparing to wrap it up in Qatar on this Friday at 3 p.m. UK time. You've got uh, South Korea taking on Portugal while Ghana take on Uruguay. Portugal are through from this group. Everyone else can still join them. Currently, Ghana are in second place with South Korea and Uruguay both on a point apiece. Ghana on three points. Hmm. 
At 7 o'clock, it's Group G. Brazil are on six points. They're through. Switzerland, second on three. Cameroon and Serbia both on one. Brazil are through. Everyone else can join them. Serbia face Switzerland. Serbia must win. Cameroon, who must win, host Brazil. I mean, they don't host them, but that's just the way the fixture's written. Anyway, fine. No Neymar, as you know. Huh. Which game is leaping out at absolutely everybody who's got any sense of narrative? Of course. No, it's not. That. You were going to go with Switzerland, Serbia, weren't you? Yeah. yeah. It's Ghana, Uruguay, listener. Why? Well, this. I watched the 2010 quarterfinal between Ghana and Uruguay in a place called Bongo Bar in North London. And Bongo Bar is a West African restaurant. Uh, the place was packed, packed to the point where you can go to the toilet, packed to the place where you can get to the bar. Uh, and I couldn't actually turn around and face the television. The wall of the restaurant uh, was one large mirror, so I watched the entire game in, in reflection. Uh, and when Suleyana Montari scored his goal, he scored the opposite end to me. A very surreal experience and a very surreal game. Ghana's got the early goal and a lot of conversation that bar came to, this is it, Ghana's going to be the very first team to, to reach the, the semi-finals of a World Cup in Africa as well. And I think what happened was at that quarter-final, quite a few neutrals came on board for Ghana. So when Luis Suarez did the handball uh, and caused sort of a, a restoration of old hegemonies and old systems and, and previously successful World Cup teams, getting one over uh, a newcomer. That felt quite mean. Well, it's a red card. It's been blocked on the line. Does this mean Garner have got a penalty with the last kick of the game? Oh, I do not believe it. Suarez leaves the field in tears. Asamoah Jan for Garner. Oh, and he's missed. Oh, I cannot believe it. And it was the last kick of the game. I don't say the apologize about that because I take the handball, the ball, but uh, the Ghana player uh, miss a penalty, not me. But these uh, new press conference quotes from Luis Suarez, that's smart a little bit. One, he didn't mention Asmoah Jean's name, which I think is quite funny, a real sort of, I don't even remember who you are notion. And two, the way it describes the situation. I hit the red card, the referee called a penalty. It's not my fault that because I didn't miss the penalty. Did you see the player miss the penalty? You do the same as me. It's Abreu against Kingston. Abreu for Uruguay! And what a finish! What a cool, calm finish from Sebastian Abreu! Ghana are on the floor. Africa's last representative... And the Ghana side going to this game... Otto Addo's not really spoken about getting revenge over Uruguay. Uh, and he said this is more about thinking about the future rather than thinking about the past. Luis Suarez says he hasn't really thought about being a marked man or being considered as the devil himself. So the people currently there are talking about this just being a game to get through to the next round. But there are Ghanaian football fans in Ghana and across the diaspora who very much want to beat Uruguay. Who very much want to get revenge on Luis Suarez. Luis Suarez is also one of the very few members of both the Ghana and Uruguayan team who were still playing now in 2022 that were also playing in 2010. I take a red card, the ref say penalty. It's not my fault because I don't miss the penalty. This Ghana team is really, really young. Uh, it's the youngest squad at the World Cup and I think quite a few people thought this tournament would be too early in their cycle and they'd have no chance of making out the group stages whereas now they've got a great chance to get out of the group stages and to get one over Luis Suarez. So I'll be watching, not in Bongo Bar this time, I will be in a special cordon off area of the athletic office where everyone else around me is going to be wearing special earplugs because I'll probably be making all sorts of loud noises. The Athletics, Carl Anker there. Oh, and music by uh, Fortet, a track called Hands. <laughs> Clever. Yeah. All right, so what I'm reading from that is that Ghana still hold a grudge. But what is the view in Uruguay? 12 years on from all the Jabalani and the Vuvuzuelas, Uruguay themselves have other matters to worry about. They're bottom of the group, a side still featuring Suarez with Cavani, Valverde, Darwin Nunes, yet to score a single goal, the only team yet to find the back of the net at this tournament. They're about to crash out 
of this group unless they can do something against Ghana. Let's hear now from Gilmar Deladon in Uruguay. Shuma, what happened 12 years ago? Did that, as much as that made Suarez a villain in Ghana, did it make him, did it cement his hero status in Uruguay? Oh, yeah, definitely. He's remembered for two things. One, one is Ghana, and the other you, you might not like it, is for the two goals against England. Mm. We see the handball as a sacrifice for the team. We never saw it as a cheating or anything like that. I think anyone that played football before, we, and anyone would have done the same. Mm. Okay, and will he start against Ghana in the rematch? I think that might play a, a reason for to play with Suarez at, at, the, at the beginning, because uh, I'm sure it means something for the Ghanaian players to have that guy in front of you. The guy who ruins your happiness for at least a week or two months. I don't know how, how long this. Off. Twelve years, yeah. Twelve years, yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I'm amazed because I, I do like Ghana. I just wish they carry on in the World Cup, but uh, unfortunately they are against us and. And I need to support you, obviously. So the last time you and I spoke was that day in 2010. So Ghana are talking a lot about that game still. For Uruguay, is it still a big deal or have you got other things to worry about? We, yeah, we, well, honestly, we worry about more other things, but we never think as Ghana as a the team that we want to be all the time. Like We just remember that day because we qualified to the semifinals. It, it wouldn't be the same if we were to play any other team. Mm. It's more like... the players on the team from Ghana, they've got like a personal revenge with Uruguay this time, I think. That's how it yeah. feels. But not for Uruguay, I think it doesn't mean anything. It would be oh. any other team. Okay. This time it's not about qualifying for the semi-finals, it's about getting out of the group. And only once since 1974 have you not got through to the knockout stages, despite having a population of less than 4 million. It's incredible, but that's the level of expectations. You're bottom of the group, you haven't scored a goal yet, how we disappoint- are the only team, I think, right now, we are the only team in the World Cup that hasn't scored a goal. Yeah, and you have Suarez and you have Cavani, you also have Darwin Nunes, you have Valverde. Yeah, so how come? To stop mentioning it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's, uh, it's all to do with the mentality this year. Uh, we're still quite behind the way we play. We never understood that Uruguayan football need to develop a new, different way of playing, maybe like a bit more modern. We're still stuck with the old days. We're very defensive, too defensive, I think. And we never think we can actually attack other other teams. That's, I think, it's been the main problem for Uruguayan football. But the problem is also we have won a few tournaments, more like in South America, playing that, that badly, that we think is the right thing. But mm. I think it's time for us to, to play a bit more modern. Yeah, also because it's one thing to play defensively when you've got a, a bunch of young, fit defenders. But I don't know if I would describe the Celeste's uh, backline that way. No, exactly. No, this year, the just the, the midfields are very good. We go mm-hmm. Bentancur and Valverde. I think they're quite good. But and our strikers, even Cavani and Suarez, they, I think they're reaching the last World Cup and they they're not in good shape, honestly. But tomorrow is a different thing, you know. Football is who knows. Gilmar, one of our friends here, Sasha Gurinov, is absolutely crazy for Deraskaita. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, yeah. I, I, you probably guys know more than me, but um. For us, the number 10 share in football means Brazil. Even if Maradona was the best player in the world ever, Brazil produced number 10s like every minute someone born in Brazil with that number in the, in the share. And Arascaeta was the best number 10 player in Brazil the last two years or three years. And it's in the bench. For us, it's a massive frustration that the coach doesn't want that guy to play football for our team. He looked like a real difference maker when he did come on in the second half against Portugal. He's the old-fashioned playmaker that we definitely needed. He would be the what well, well, Diego Forlan was for us in the 2010 World Cup. Mm. Gilmar, for a, for a final group stage game like this where you absolutely have to win and hope South Korea don't, do you think... Do you think that there's going to be changes from the manager? Do you, do you, it, it, what, what are the people demanding there? Pretty much we're demanding uh, the guy, the Rascaeta. We, everyone wants that. And I think he's, he's going to listen to to the, Because now, you, you know, these days, people actually, the coaches, they do listen to the social media. They do check and they do understand that people want that player to play. And we need, we need young players. And I love Suarez and Cavani. I love them. But is, is that a time the... They've done everything for the, for the World Cup for us, but it's time for to play with the young, young players. 
yeah, that's what we need. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson, sponsored by LifeScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LifeScoreBet.com. It's over 18 only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Lovely to hear there from Gilmar Deladon, who certainly sounds relaxed ahead of this match. Duncan. Yeah, I, I think Ghana can do it. I mean, Uruguay have been just so... I know that they they realise they've been negative, but it's been it's been so much. And you know, anything you would say, Ghana have scored with five of their six shots on target so mm. far, which is fortunate. But the the way that narrative is, is flowing right now, I think revenge against Uruguay is, is nailed on. Interesting. Interesting. The other game in that group also has a bit of history to it, doesn't it, Lindsay? Korea-Portugal, yeah. Yeah, because the only previous meeting between these two teams came at the 2002 World Cup and South Korea knocked Portugal out of the tournament. Among the Portugal uh, squad that day was Paulo Bento, who's back once again in this fixture, but this time managing the opposition. He's South Korean manager. Well, or at least he's not going to be there. Is he back? Is he he's not back. Back up. <laughs> he's got suspended because he, he had got a, go a yellow anti. in the first game and a red in the second. So I'm not sure what how he can escalate from there, but I'm looking know. forward to they seeing They can't it. dump them out this time anyway. Christian, if it came down to disciplinary record, would that be a factor? Do the manager's cards influence on your disciplinary record? Ooh, good question. So. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, anyway. That's going to be a good South Korea, they must win. Is that right? How hard will Portugal be playing? They're already through. Well, I think that comes into play more in Group G. Okay. I mean, I do, I do think Portugal will be down a gear in comparison to where they have been because they do know they're through, but I still don't think that South Korea have got enough. Okay. They need to win. I've just yeah. looked at the table. Group G then, Lindsay, let, let's talk about that. You have Cameroon, Brazil. Brazil already through. Cameroon must win. This is going to be the equivalent of our Group E tonight. Do you think? Yeah, second half. Okay, because Serbia and Switzerland, basically the group reads, Brazil already through, so there's a little less uncertainty about this, but it's a battle for second place. Right now, Switzerland are in second spot on three points, with Cameroon and Serbia both two points behind them. But it's Serbia who face Switzerland, having been beaten by the Swiss in the... 2018 World Cup with all that business with the Kosovo celebrations and that. The Serbs, for their part, incurred the wrath of FIFA 
by hanging up a flag with some redesigned Serbian borders mm. Mm. Uh, in their dressing room uh, earlier on this week. What, what do you think about the game, though? I think Serbia-Switzerland is going to be really tight. I think it's going to ebb and flow. I think we're going to see different leaders in this game. So whoever scores first, I think they're going to then go behind, Ooh. potentially. This is something that Moran was commenting on. Uh, haven't there been more of those kind of yes. flip-flop results this World Cup than like ever before? And out of the two games, I feel like that's the one here really? that's going to be like that. But I think in the other game... Brazil will follow France. I think France made nine changes, didn't they? Knowing that they were through. And I think Brazil will be arrogant enough to do something Arrogant similar. or just well-managed enough? They're through. Rotate your but players. You're, you're not meant to rest, are you, at a World Cup? You they don't have any in the LDV it's Show respect to the other, the other opponents in the group. I think, you know, it, it, the other squad opponents... Game. Exactly. And also... Take care of your own squad. The reverse argument is that it's good to give everyone a game if you can, because otherwise, you know, the subs get irate on mm. the touchline. So, I mean, Brazil's second string should should still be enough to give Cameroon a game. Mm. But I, I agree with you, Lindsay, about the, the Serbia-Switzerland game. It's got it's got every single ingredient, um, and uh, I can just see can see Mitrovic popping up with some sort of you know late action in that one. All right, make sure you tune in, listener, and check back with us tomorrow evening. When we join up again to discuss the end of the group stages, Duncan. Well, yes, exactly that. But 75% of the games at the World Cup will have been played tomorrow by the end of tomorrow evening. That's remarkable. I mean, having said that, the schedule slows down a bit, so we've still got a fair ways to go. Oh, yeah, still got a couple of weeks of, of World Cup left. But, and it is, the, you know, theoretically the quality over the quantity. But, you know, the group stage, it just it flies by. And I think... I think maybe after the first games, we were wondering whether this was going to be a, a classic group stage, but I think the, the events of the last few nights have, uh, have probably nudged it towards that, that status. Yeah, it's certainly been different. Very good. Thank you so much for your company uh, throughout this extraordinary evening of football in Qatar, Lindsay and Duncan, and to all our friends who joined us earlier on as well, special guest producer Steve, listener you. As I say, Friday night, we're back. We're totally at the World Cup. I do hope you'll be joining us then. For now, though, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app, discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. Get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18 only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Sports Social Podcast Network.